welcome to episode 114 of Super Deformed Games Cast. Uh, thank you for joining us today, this Thursday. It's a holiday week, short week, uh, but we appreciate people uh, coming by to hang out. Uh, today we've got a full cast and crew with two guests. Uh, we've got Amanda. Hello. Hi. And then we've, of course, got uh, Matt from MT MPD here with us as well. Hey, what's going on? Hey, thanks for being with us, guys. Uh, and as usual, we've got the full crew. Uh, well, not the full crew, but a lot of us here with John, Matt, Brandon, and Jay. Hey, guys. It is so... It is a relief to not be hosting tonight. i, I got to tell you that much. Like there's, like, there's no pressure on me anymore. None of you assholes can say, John, the audio is messed up, or John, the video... Actually, that's probably still my fault because I'm running You're it. You're still hosting, still, yeah. I'm still running it, but I'm not hosting it anymore. At least not mm -hmm. tonight. So, Zach, if you, if you fuck this up, it's all on you. Right, yeah, I just have the, this knot in my stomach for our eight watchers, yeah. Um, but yeah, so so uh, we've got some topics tonight, but I think the first thing we want to do is jump into uh, Matt's specialty, uh, the the NPD stuff for the last month. The numbers. Ready to talk the numbers. sales. Let's uh, go. What do they mean, Matt? I don't know what they mean. And we'll never find out because Black Ops 4 doesn't have a campaign, so <laughs> I guess the numbers will continue to be a mystery. Uh yeah, hey, uh, I don't know if you guys heard the God of War. The God of War did pretty good. I don't know, had you heard? What, What's God of War? What, I have no idea. Uh, do you mean Gears of War? Small indie game, Gears of War. Uh, no, it's a it's a single player game, which is kind of weird with a story. Uh, there's a kid. I don't know. Bullshit. Those I don't, are it, dead. It did well. Single player. Uh, yeah, dead. so God of War uh, broke all kinds of records last month. It, it became the uh, best selling PlayStation exclusive in the launch month ever. That's fucking insane so yeah so previously it was grand theft auto san andreas so it taking the biggest really? exclusive ever from a san andreas game is is a hell of an accomplishment that is nuts yeah playstation uh four uh sold the uh highest highest dollar sales in full game sales for a month of april in history for any platform uh which was a really big get um and the ps4 hardware set records uh well, highest uh, level of dollar and unit sales for a hardware platform since uh, April of 2009. So Sony really killed it uh, in the month, and uh, God of War really led the way. So, so, so Matt, I got a question for you, man. I just want so we're talking, and I probably already know the answer, but we're talking dollar sales, not like unit sales anymore, right? Like we're when when we talk about games, we're talking revenue, not actual units sold. Right, so in dollar sales, okay, right? Gotcha. In unit okay. sales, it, it didn't hit the highest uh, highest sales ever for an exclusive, but in dollar sales, it did. You have like fifty dollar pricing in PS2 era. You've got like the bigger editions now, so um, that's not still quite insane. apples apples. So does that include things like the God of War special edition consoles and, and that sort of thing? No, so all of the sales of the game with hardware actually go to the hardware sales. Oh, uh, okay. Oh, that okay. is impressive. Yeah. Okay. So, so yeah, if you if you took out the number of units that sold there and allocated sixty bucks a unit over to the software, it'd be even more impressive. Right. Um, but uh, yeah, so anyway, you look at it. God of War did an amazing job. Now the question is, of course, does that mean that uh, the whole narrative around single player games are dead or single player games are going away? Um, is that still true? Is that not true? How does this impact all of that? And I don't know. I don't know what your guys' take is, but my take is that you know a mid '90s rated game, no matter if it's single player or multiplayer, is generally going to do pretty good. 
I don't know if this says a lot about the whole single player versus multiplayer thing, uh, but I'd be really interested, interested in hearing your take on what you see the success of God of War, how that relates to the rest of the market, and is this a an indicator that there's this huge market, latent market there sitting for single player games, or is this more of a it's a mid '90s rated game, and of course it does well because that's what mid '90s rated games do. I mean, I think the writing's on the wall. I mean, you know, Uncharted 4, I mean, you know, you think about the Uncharted series, right? Like, Uncharted is a Sony staple. Like, you know, even more than God of War, at least until now, anyway, I would say that Uncharted, since the beginning of the PlayStation 3, has been their, their flagship series, you know? And Uncharted always sells well, but it's never sold like this. I mean, not like right out the gate like this. Um, Uncharted 4 didn't do that. Uh, no other Sony exclusive this generation has done that. Um, and I most... believe that God of War ended up doubling the sales that Uncharted did right out That's of the gate. Wild. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's fun. Yeah, which, which which is nuts. Like I, how, how does it? How are the sales comparing to God of War Three? I haven't looked into that actually. Matt, Matt, Matt uh, yeah, <laughs> significantly higher. Mm. Yeah, okay. yeah. It, so uh, I think people are pretty tired of God of War by the time God of War Three oh, came out. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. So I've been saying it for years. Exactly. And which is why I think that if we had gotten just another God of War 4 with Kratos is like, you know, Zeus, you know, like another one of those it games. It would have sold well, but it no. would have sold fine, but it wouldn't have sold like it is now. Yeah, so what you can do is if you since you have a history of God of War, right? We have a number of games including Ascension. So we have games covering basically the entire spectrum of game ranking scores. You plot those out, right? And your game ranking score and your sales will basically form a normalized curve to an extent a little bit off of that curve uh the god award the new god award sales are significantly higher than a similarly rated game would have been using the old god award benchmarks if, if, if that makes sense so really god, hmm. yeah this game is overperforming the historical benchmark of god award uh so i think it's By a combination uh, uh uh well a fairly significant amount. I wish I could say like specific numbers. I, I can't, but uh, enough to be very noticeable and significant. So it's. A, I think it's a combination of not only a mid '90s game, but a reimagining of God of War, a modernization, and and uh, you know taking jumping away. I think directly led to this huge sales increase from from day one. So so Matt. Uh... I think a couple podcasts ago, we all sat down and talked about, I don't know if you were on that, that week's episode, we were talking about lifetime sales, what we were thinking. Uh, do you still think this game will have substantial legs through the summer? Or do you think uh, the vast majority of people who are going to pick it up probably already did? Yeah, so we're seeing a, a very big divergence here, right? So the, the single-player games, especially the, the campaign-focused campaign games, are more heavily front-loaded than they've been historically. While the service games, the Rainbow Six Sieges, the GTAs of the world, they're much more back-weighted on their sales curve than ever before. So we really have this total spreading. Now the question is, right, we haven't had a, a 94-rated triple or quadruple A game like this in some time. So the, the question is open of what does this mean? So I, before the game launched, I tweeted out that this game will set the benchmark for single-player games. It will really set the high bar that everyone else is going to, to go after. And it absolutely did that. Um, sales like this and quality scores like this are not easy, not, not and they're very rare. Uh, so now we know what the top end of a single player 
game sales-wise might look like, but we don't know what the sales curve looks like, and I think that's what we're going to find out here in the, in the coming weeks and months. Well, and I also think sure. it, I also think it's it's very clear evidence of gamers being compelled by really nuanced characters because that's what Kratos is now, and I'm living in a 2018 where I fucking say that. Kratos of all characters is is a is a nuanced character. I mean, what they did with this character in God of War is unbelievable. Um, and uh, you know, I, I was blown I was blown away by the game. I, I got to say, I, I didn't expect it to sell as well as it has been, you know, score or not, because I was kind of in that mindset that we're in the Fortnite generation now. You know, like where where you have a game that you play as opposed to you play games. Exactly, right. Amanda. That's actually that's a that's a perfect way of saying it. Is you know you've got games like Fortnite, which are drawing in people that otherwise don't play games, have no interest in games, um, and that's their hobby now is is Fortnite. But but I I, I think and Matt, I pose the question to you: Do you think this is indicative of the just the health of single player games or the health of the industry as a whole? Um, because I kind of separate those people who just play games like Fortnite and PUBG and nothing else, apart from those people who, like Amanda very astutely said, play games, not just one game. I think it's a really interesting. I think it's a really interesting way of putting it. Yeah, there's a lot there, and when you tack on how streaming comes into into play and how that impacts people's decision making process, I mean, it gets really nuanced and, and very complicated, right? I think God of War tells us that. If you make a 94 plus rated video game, no matter what kind of game it is, you have the potential to sell a whole bunch of it. Um, I don't know if God of War had come out and been an 84 rated game or, a, or an 80 rated game. I don't think we'd be sitting here talking about it. It would probably come somewhere in the lower half of the top 10. Um, and of course, it'd be doom and gloom uh, all the way around. But because of the incredible job Santa Monica Studios did, uh, it's up there. So I, I think it's more a question of we have more choice than ever in video games. There are more ways people can play games. Like you guys were talking about, the big games take an overwhelming share of voice and attention. Um, but if you can break out of that clutter with a truly great video game backed by a great marketing campaign, backed by a great executional program, including your operations and sales support, uh, that you can do pretty well, but that is, of course, a very difficult thing to do. You know, yeah. you know what I thought was also interesting about the NPDs, Matt, was not just the performance of God of War, but the performance of games like Donkey Kong Country Tropical Freeze on Switch, which was tethered to a console that was basically an anchor. And I played it for the first time, Amanda, on my Switch, and I, I, oh. I, I, I know. Oh, and, and Brandon, Brandon was one of the people who had told me. Brandon and Jeff actually both. Was that, was that Just a few weeks ago. Yeah, it's no, a good I mean, game. The, the Wii yeah. U version. Oh, the original one was like two thousand. Oh god, ages ago. Fourteen. Yeah, I played. Yeah, I played yeah. the Wii U version at launch. For yeah, so yeah. I, and uh, both Brandon and Jeff had told me this is one of the greatest platformers of all time, and and it uh, so is amazing. I've already got. I've got. I've got two playthroughs under my belt at almost thirty hours, um, according That's to my crazy. according to my Switch. I I'm fucking in love with this game, and the game. And so, like, it was tethered to a console that almost nobody owned, and it didn't—it didn't even crack the top ten. I looked; it didn't even crack the top, the, you know, the top ten in the MPDs when it launched. This time around, at sixty—it was a sixty-dollar game, right? It was a sixty-dollar yep. game this time around, yep. as opposed to the forty it was on the Wii U, and it was what number four or five, Matt, for the month, something yeah, like that. Yeah, number five, and that—and we don't even track digital on Nintendo That's yet. So unbelievable. You pack on 
you tack on some percentage of sales for digital sell through and, and the, the picture gets even better. That's awesome. Uh, yeah, I mean, you look down the list, right? You got Tropical Freeze at five, Mario Kart 8 <laughs> at six, Odyssey at nine, uh, Zelda came in, where'd Zelda come in? At 13, Jeez. right? Not even including digital. Uh, so it shows, it shows a couple of things. Yeah, one is Nintendo still makes video games that sell really well. Yep. Um, it also that shows that, though. yeah, it also shows that great games can sell for a very long time and, and they can sell over across generations, but we kind of knew that already. Um, and, and I think a little bit, it also shows that Nintendo is, is doing its own thing and that the Switch, the Switch world and the Xbox PS4 world are, are basically separated at this point um, and aren't really in direct competition, but you mm -hmm. can go all kinds, down all kinds of rabbit holes when it comes to that. Well, and what's interesting to me is that people are you know, like people, you know, and I too have gotten snarky about what we call the Switch tax, right? Like everybody, like every game on the Switch is like, you know, $10 more than the other versions. Amanda, go ahead. But the physical versions, there is a reason for that. Mm -hmm. And that's because the carts are more expensive. Interesting. I did not know that. Yeah. Yeah, Mike.com, my old website, my old, old website, um, we ran an excellent feature about the the reason why the carts are more expensive. So if you want to go check that out, my um, one of the other editors, his name's Jason, he, he wrote that piece. He's fantastic. He researched the hell out of that piece, and I loved it so much that I just edited it forever. I'm sure it, I'm sure it costs more pieces. to make, too, because they taste really bad. They do taste... <laughs> I I finally tasted one last week and it was oh bad. Oh my god! My I husband told... kept he keeps trying. He's like, just taste it, just just like once. No, <laughs> I, yeah. I don't. Why are you doing this? So yeah, there is a reason why it's more expensive to buy the physical Switch games. Okay, but so... there's very little reason as to why it's more expensive to buy in terms of like if it's a port. Like, I don't know, Matt, back me up, man. Like, what's going on here? Well, I mean, the reason they can charge that much is because people will pay it. Um, and even if, the carts, really even if the carts weren't that expensive, the $60 price point was probably going to happen anyway. And yeah. I'm honestly still a little surprised that we haven't broken into some $70 base games yet. I mean, it has to come eventually. I think what's happening now uh, is that companies are putting out multiple versions of the game at launch. You get, like, the base version, the silver version, the gold version, the platinum version all with different amounts of pack-ins, which are basically just... Totally. Yeah, right? And so they're justifying the higher price that way. And so actually, launch average selling prices are higher than $60 on average. Um, so, yeah, so there's the, the cost factor. The cost factor absolutely play, or plays into it. But ultimately, you're, you're trying to gauge at what point you can maximize your demand, um, your, your highest price point for the highest possible unit sales to get to your highest possible revenues. Um, hopefully without picking off too many people, but video games, if people want to game enough, they'll pay whatever price they have to pay. Exactly. Absolutely. Probably fair. See, yeah. Amanda, that's the thing, right? Like when you think NPD numbers, you're like, oh, I don't want to talk about numbers, but it's fucking interesting as shit. Do like, I talk about the business of making games like, now? That is I, like the thing I talk about now. This is the stuff I'm, I love. Like, I, I'm still is... surprised. I'm still surprised that Yakuza 6 sold more than fucking Sea of Thieves. So that, you know what? Yeah, that well, doesn't surprise me. Yeah, that doesn't surprise doesn't me even surprise a little. Me I mean, and this is this is kind of yeah, what like, this is kind of what what Matt kind of touched on, right? Is that these games that have content have the potential to have legs, 
But Sea of Thieves is the opposite, which is like a game that was built to have legs but doesn't have the content to keep it secure. And, like, and, and, right? and it just seems like everyone's like dropped it at this point. I don't know. Right. It's I, I too have... bad because it had a ton of potential, especially mm -hmm. when it was announced. Yeah. Um, but I heard the I heard the new limited mode is okay. They, they've got some new limited mode out that launched yesterday or maybe two days ago called the Hungering Deep. The Hungering Deep, right? And I think it's it's a limited time quest, and I think it adds a fourth mission structure. I haven't oh, gotten no. a chance to dip into it yet, um, but it's limited time, right? So that doesn't necessarily solve the content. Wait, 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 wait. hold on, game. wait, hold on a minute, wait, wait, back up. It's limited. The Hungering Deep is limited time. It is a limited time special event uh, okay. currently. So it's kind of like Monster Hunter in that regard. Yeah, like, I, damn quests. I would I would be concerned if I were a Sea of Thieves fans, however, however few that might be. Uh, I would be concerned if if you don't hear more concrete things about the future of that game at E3. Okay. Um, but hey, that, but yeah, that is a game we'll that does not. We'll have to see during the Xbox. Yep. Uh, showcase. So yeah. so speaking of X Xbox and, and and Sea of Thieves, Matt, like I mean Xbox is doing okay. fine. You know, like it's 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 Been selling great. well. It's it's doing yeah, like, yeah like it's yeah know, it's doing. Far better than the the conversation online would lead you to believe, including the, the yeah. pretty massive year-on-year -year growth, particularly in Q1. Um, sea of Thieves is a really interesting test case, right? It's one of those games we talked about it last time. It's like, okay, here's this brand new business model, this brand new way people are acquiring this game. In the first month, the sales of the game, like the actual sales, not the Game Pass game sales, but the actual sales, I think surprised a lot of people. Uh, and now we see it fall to the chart down to the charts to number 18. It was number three last month. So you're like, okay, well, that's a pretty big drop. And is that a bad sign? Is that a good, how, what does that really mean? And I don't know. But um, when I think back to Rainbow Six Siege, right, one of our favorite games we like to talk about, Rainbow Six Siege, which will sell forever, um, it launched <laughs> very low in its December launch month. It fell off mm -hmm. the charts January, February. It was basically out of the consciousness. And yet, look at it now, right? See, it, or, uh, Rainbow Six Siege this month was 15, and it's over yep. two years since launch, right? And, and so, just over 30 million players they announced, too. Right. Oh, so, back. okay, so you look at the Sea of Thieves rankings, you go, well, that's not great. But compare it to what Siege started with, and you're like, okay, now they have a lot of room to make this right and to really build this up. Were they caught flat-footed? Did they launch too early? Maybe. We don't know. Um, but man, if they really invest and put a lot of uh, effort into this, there's plenty of time to make this a perennially good seller. Uh, we'll just have to see what they do. Like, but yeah, E3 is going to be very telling for this. Absolutely, oh, yeah. I think that uh, I think that a portion of this too is getting the right. And I don't generally like talking about influencers, but it is about influencers, and it's about getting yeah. the right people in front of the game. And getting right the right people talking about the game and promoting the game and everything like that and you're not going to get that kind of support from the media because the media is moving on to you know the other things that they need to report on so right. yeah well and, and right. i i also think that the like sea of thieves for example i think sea of thieves won the no man's sky uh um I, I guess it's not more of a fix than it is anything else but when the additional content for no man's sky drops in july and it hits xbox i think i think games like sea of thieves are in trouble um, uh, I don't know. I, I think I, I, I yeah. I and like I don't want to. I don't want to speculate on it too much. I, I think comparisons to Sea of Thieves and and No Man's Sky are maybe a little knee jerk and maybe not that accurate. Yeah. Um. But but what I really want to get back to is is one of the things that that Jay brought up a minute ago, which is Yakuza. Uh. And Yakuza did have a really good sales month. And I what I want to go and, and bounce off the group and, and Matt is 
two things. One, that game launched around the same time, maybe the same date as God of War same in the week. US. Same week. And so maybe that maybe that kind of uh, knockdown that sales the first month, but it, it came back really, really hard this month. So Matt, uh, do you want to kind of talk on that? Or Jay? Yeah, um, I, I just want to say, I feel like with the Yakuza series, because you know, the PlayStation 3, like your series, did not sell well at all. I mean, hell, the fifth one was a digital-only release because it, it just wasn't, it didn't make sense for Sega to like, publish, or you know, to produce like physical copies in America. And I feel like just word of mouth has really like helped the Yakuza series. And I mean, I think just, I think Sega's shown that like, shown its support for the series. I mean, we're getting Kwame 2 in like August. And they just announced the three, four, and five remasters. I mean, who knows that they're coming over here? That's but like, huge. yeah, like I mean, like Sega's like showing like, hey, like we're starting to make a profit now. Like you know, people are talking about this game. We're we're selling like a good amount of copies to like for this to be like you know a success. And like it's really cool. Like you're probably able to play like every Yakuza game on your PlayStation Four in like the next two years, and that's like insane. Super exciting. It is like I have Yakuza Burnout's point, like because I I played Zero Kwami and Six like straight back to back, but um, I'm really happy for the series. So yeah, and keep in mind, right? So Yakuza, Jay made some great points. Yakuza is really becoming like it, it was. It still is niche, right? Yeah, uh, it's or niche, definitely still niche, depending on where you live. Uh, yeah. But far less so, and in, in gaining incredible me- momentum. And and just a reminder, right? So Sega is not part of our digital leader panels. This is just purely physical sales to get to number 17 on the chart. This is a game I would imagine has a very high digital share. I can't mm-hmm. imagine the physical distribution was as wide and broad uh, as like a God of War, right? So you can tack on some ranking spots for Yakuza if you ad- adjusted for a digital extract. Um, y- you do that and yeah, Yakuza, Six had a hell of a debut, and I've fallen down the Yakuza rabbit hole myself. Um, I've bought like five Yakuza games in my life, but I never played any of them. But now I'm in Yakuza <laughs> Zero, and I'm hooked, man. I'm all about it, baby. <laughs> Let's go get some real estate. Yeah, Let's do yeah, this. yeah. Those games are great because they're just yeah. like there's like there's soap like there's soap dramas of like fighting and like it's amazing and like you can get drunk in the game and like just go eat good food. Sounds like my college years for me. Yeah, that's like a weekend for me. I, mean, I can just do that on a weekday in my room. It's going to be E3 for me, just so everyone's clear. And Amanda's going to get in fights and get drunk. and she's, oh, it's she's gonna go I have to exercise my Canadianness somewhere. Also, mm-hmm. now I've merged with the Jersey people. I don't know what I'm going to do. Ooh. I'm like all hopped up on maple syrup and nonsense. <laughs> <laughs> you, that needs to be... I'm going to have somebody make you a Twitter banner with uh, maple syrup and nonsense. Is, that's and, me and, and and i'm gonna have and you need to put it on your on your twitter profile. i would do this that's fucking so, awesome so and I, and I think one of the things and we definitely need to get into pokemon here soon but one of the things that we have heard is that uh microsoft and sega have been talking about games and, and phil spencer of course it could just be phil spencer trying to talk to fans on, on twitter like he likes to do but he's talked about trying to uh reaffirm some some relationships with sega um we've seen in the past jay has jay has told me about this uh yakuza has gone to other platforms jay didn't uh at least one yakuza title come to wii u uh yeah yes. in japan so um originally there were remasters well not remasters remasters but more like re-releases of one and two there was like a dual package pack in japan only for the wii u and it sold like shit if anyone's curious i think it to be fair like, it's also the wii u yeah i think it sold like 2,000 copies its first week oof 
Oof. Well, and so and so, I'm not saying that uh, that it's definitely happening. Uh, uh, who's on other platforms? But it's it's not uh, unprecedented. So we could see that that uh, that game take off in, in different audiences too. Yeah. Um, but but I think we should probably not speculate on that, and instead let's jump into Pokemon. Um, Actually, I, before ooh, we do that, yeah, yeah. Um, so I asked Stephanie Tinsley, um, whose handle's at Agent Tinsley on Twitter, because she was all like, "Yo, if you have a show or whatever, hit me up for some codes to give away." And I was like, "Yo, I want a code." Best. Yeah, I was like, "Yo, I want a code," and she was like, "Oh, here's four PC codes for Minute, which is a game." It's yes. So good. Yes. Yes. It yes. is a game where you pretty much have a minute to accomplish your task, or and if you don't, then you die. That and you sounds start stressful. Your... Yeah, no, it's not. It's so good. It, yeah, yeah, and I'll, I I will let Amanda talk on this a little bit. But minute is a game I bought on a whim, um, and the sixty second thing you it sounds incredibly stressful, but the way the game is designed is that even in sixty seconds you can make incremental progress, so the next time you do it, uh, you you get that much further, and you and you kind of progress at a, at a really refreshing rate. It's so easy to play for 10 minutes at a time and put down. I, I really yeah. like Minute. Cool. Yeah, it's failing up. Really, yes. that's, that, that is the entirety of Minute in a nutshell. It is failing up a minute at a time. So, yes. so you could say this is the Dark Souls of 60-second games. Nope. Nope, we're not going to say that. We're not going to say that. So, Jay... You are the Jay, Dark Souls of people. I, I would also like to point out this game is published by Devolver Digital, who, um, you know... Devolver's people, amazing. People really like, yeah. Um, yeah. So, yeah, shout-out to Devolver Digital and shout-out to Stephanie for, you know, these codes. So, Jay, um, do you want to handle the, the giveaway, buddy? Yeah, so, okay, awesome. so I have the first winner, um, his Twitter handle, or their Twitter handle, because I don't want to, you know, assume here, is Pint Full of Tokens, so shout oh, out to I you. Oh, I Pint Full of Tokens, all right. Yeah, so awesome. you got the first code. Um, I'm going to be taking screenshots of the winners, so I have, you know, evidence, so I can hit you guys up after the show. So. Yeah, sounds great. Just just shoot them a DM, and, and we'll yeah. get that figured out. Awesome. All right, so we've got three more to give away later, is that right? Right. Awesome. So we'll we'll stop in on that periodically. Uh, but first, let's let's jump into Pokemon. Uh, so I did not uh, uh, follow this uh, update. Can somebody who followed this talk us through all the Pokemon news this week? Oh my God, there was so much Pokemon news this week, you guys. Yeah, Tell us about so it, Amanda. Much Pokemon. I was trying to watch Westworld, and there was Pokemon. So yeah, I was trying to get caught up. So, okay, so here's what happened with Pokemon this week. Um, we knew that there was supposed to be some kind of, you know, announcement that was supposed to be coming from the Pokemon company. And, you know, following some of the weird stuff that's been going on with Nintendo, we're like, who knows when that'll happen? We'll find out when they do, I guess. So they announced uh, a couple days ago now um, that they have four, there's actually four new things to talk about with regards to Pokemon. Um, there is the free-to-play Pokemon game called Pokemon Quest that is available right now on Nintendo Switch. Um, that is a weird kind of free-to-start game where you run around and beat up other Pokemon and train your Pokemon up and sacrifice your Pokemon to one another, I think. And Mo I haven't quite figured it out yet. Most people it seems really crazy. Most people seem to not like it, Amanda. Like that's, It's not very good. Yeah. yeah, it's weird. It's not very good. It's, it's I mean... If you're going to do a free-to-play game and you're going to do it on the Switch, it better be damn good. Because oh. I'm not going to spend my time playing a free-to-play game on my Switch when I could be playing, like, Darkest Dungeon. Yeah, so. the mobile version's not coming out till late June, I think they said. Till late June, like, yeah. Why, I don't know why you wouldn't just, like... Launch with like, that? 
Wait, the yeah, mobile version is like out? Yeah, it's I not like out. Yeah. Where that yeah. yeah, it's it's not it's not a great game. I played it then I played it the night that it came out just to get just to get my eyes on it, just to see if it was something to talk about, but it's really not. So mm. that's Pokemon Quest. Damn. Um, there, there are two new Pokemon games that are coming out on November 16th called Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee. They are essentially the same game. They're doing the same thing they always do, the same, the same new mechanics that are kicking around in two different games with similar Pokemon except for one, essentially. Mm. So, depending on whether or not you like Pikachu or Eevee, I'm secretly an Eevee person. So... Not so secret anymore. So, so, so I mean, like, I, I'm like, I'm new to Pokemon, right? Like, I'm, I, I, I am right now actually playing Ultra Moon, which is my first Pokemon game. I'm about, I'm about 35 what, what was your hours. Childhood, in. dude. What, yeah, I know, people are like you're just not playing Pokemon. Um, That's I'm okay. about, I'm about 35 hours in. Um, and and so here's my question, Amanda, and uh, because you seem like you know a lot more about Pokemon right now than I do. Um, Everybody has been complaining about, oh, well, you know, they're making Pokemon casual. And I'm like, but isn't Pokemon casual to begin with? Like, that label means I mean, nothing at this point. I don't know it's what like, that means. Anymore, so, yeah. It's always been a very accessible series. It has. And the interesting thing about Let's Go Pikachu and Let's Go Eevee is that they are taking a lot of the mechanics that seem to be working for Pokemon Go and they're pulling it into a more and they're pulling it into a core pokemon experience which they haven't done before so the people that have been playing pokemon go and just running around their neighborhoods and capturing pokemon maybe they've never played a pokemon game before maybe they're you know they're not in, they have never been interested in it because it looks kind of weird and like what do you even do in pokemon you just run around and capture pokemon like, why wouldn't I just go outside and go capture Pokemon? So the integration and the ecosystem that they're creating with Let's Go Eevee and Let's Go Pikachu is that marriage of, no, we still want you to go out and capture your Pokemon out in the real world, but we also want you to bring them into your experience on the Switch and see them in high definition on your television and interact with your pocket monsters like that. I mean, so, pe people have said visually it doesn't look good. I'm like, are we looking at the same game? Because this looks really good to it's me. It's gorgeous. Like, it's yeah. so pretty. I don't understand people that don't like. They maybe maybe they don't like the aesthetic, and that's that's the that's the difference here. I love the aesthetic. I think it looks adorable. Pokemon has always been an exceptionally accessible franchise. It is supposed it skews young on purpose. It's not about older gamers. It's about bringing younger gamers into it. My sons, my daughter. They love playing Pokemon. I'm you know, really my daughter's just it. learning I mean, I, how to read. I loved it so. when Pokemon Red came out when I was 13. Yeah. That's I mean, really I'm, I'm 37. I was old I'm, about it. I'm really... I watched the anime and everything. See, I, I haven't seen any of the shows, but I'm 37 years old, and I'm actually really loving it. And it gives me something to talk about with my son, who's 10 years old and is a massive, huge Pokemon fan. And he's 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 got his own Switch. Oh, he's finally. the same age as my oldest son. Yeah, he's 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 10 years old. He's got his he's got his own Switch, and he's going to see the Pokemon trailer for the first time when he comes over on Friday. Um, which very is, I'm exciting. very excited to show him that. So, so here's my question for Amanda and the group as a whole, right? So, and, and again, like coming into this is with Ultra Moon is my first Pokemon game. The one thing that sounds a little off to me is that apparently there's no wild Pokemon battles. Like you don't battle Pokemon in the wild anymore. I really like the wild Pokemon battles. Um, yeah, and, I don't, I don't yeah, know how they're gonna the deal. I, I don't know how they're gonna deal with that. It looks like a lot of a lot of the battling is gonna be done in arenas and in gyms. And that's an interesting switch for, like, that's a really interesting switch. And that, and, and that is how, 
on the switch. Uh-huh. I feel like every time you say that, you gotta make the little you gotta make the little switch noise. Anyway, please, please continue. Um, but I think that that's part of the mechanics that they're bringing in from Pokemon Go is that you know you're you're getting out there, you're playing with your friends, you're involving yourself in these neighborhood raids and arena battles and gym battles and shit like that, and it just like that's what they're bringing into the new Pokemon games. They're not making it casual per se. They're homogenizing, or rather, they're making the experience between the mobile game and the core Pokemon game cohesive. I actually think the the wild Pokemon stuff, like I think that's being a little overblown because really the only thing they're changing is you know, you know how you whittle down their health and stuff, and yeah. then you throw the ball. Really, the only thing they're changing is like you don't throw a Pokemon out anymore. You feed them berries like. It looks like you feed them berries like still in uh, in Go, and then you throw a ball mm-hmm. like with, when the ring contracts. But the trainer battles are still um, they're still the th- same. They're still like they were in in Yellow. Like trainers are in the exact same place but as they, they were in Yellow. But like so like but here's my question: like when you eliminate Pokemon battles in the wild, like are they going to make trainer battles more prolific? So I feel like people. I, I would like, assume so. Okay, because that was because I really like battling my Pokemon. Like that's that's the hook for me is is just fighting fighting my pocket monsters right because that's what pokemon are the pocket monsters um but zach go ahead no no no, go ahead no so so my quick question is so i just want to make sure i know this before i go on so amanda you said it comes out november 16 Mm-hmm. Okay, so along Matt... with the along with the Pokemon, like the new Pokeball controller as well. Oh, that's right. Yeah, oh, the, the looks the so peripheral. dope. I want one. Yeah. So, so my question for Matt is, um, Matt, you mentioned in the past that you think uh, Switch is going to have a huge year. I, I think anyone who disagrees is wrong. Um, do you do you think this is the? Do you think November is pushing it? That's usually a little bit late in the game season. Obviously, Nintendo can kind of do what they want. They showed that last year. Um, what do you think? Yeah, they can't do what they want. Now, I was initially expecting a mainline Pokemon game this year, so this is a bit of a, a curveball, a little bit of a surprise, obviously, to everybody in terms of the, the strategy behind it. Uh, it's still a Pokemon game. It's still a Pokemon game in a, in a, in a market that is more Pokemon-friendly than ever. Uh, so oh, when yeah. Sun, yeah, when Sun and Moon launched a few years ago, it was the biggest Pokemon launch in history yeah. in, in terms of dollar and unit sales, right? And we didn't even track digital. So far bigger than Red Green or Diamond Sapphire or any other launch in history. So, I mean, this is a very friendly market for Pokemon. So, I mean, uh, I imagine that Switch are going to be hard to come by middle to late December. Um, we'll see how that goes. It's going to be a very heavy November, December period for, for Switch and for gifting. Um, but, yeah, I, I think it's going to do very well. I'm not changing my outlook. So, I've got... Six point something million, six point two million units in my forecast for Switch in 2018 for the U.S., Ooh. which is pretty darn high. Uh, that's looking pr- yeah, that's pretty high. That's pretty high. It's um, I know I'm leaning aggressive. Uh, that's what everyone keeps telling me. Mm. But uh, given this slate, given what they have, I think it's achievable. A lot can go wrong. So. Well, well, plus when you no, I mean, when we'll you factor in the one-two punch of not just Pokemon but Smash Brothers as well, yeah. right? Um, you know, right. that's that's a hell of a fall in a winter, if you ask me. Smash followed by, and, and they're calling it a core Pokemon game, right? Like they're calling they it are. a core RPG. Yeah. 
Um, yeah, so it's calling not like... it a core. They're not calling it a core RPG. They are calling it a core Pokemon game. Okay. I think the core RPG Pokemon game is supposed to be coming next, next year. That's, that's, yeah. that's the 2019. So this is it is considered a core Pokemon game, but it is not like Matt said. It's not a mainline Pokemon think, game. So think... it's not reinventing anything. Um, because it's supposed to be kind of like a remake of Pokemon Yellow. So, so do you guys think they're using the word core to kind of placate the fan base? Like, guys, it's a core game. Note the word core. It is a core game. Yeah, I, I, maybe. It seems like it's like almost like a subliminal, like, mm-hmm. calm down. It's a core Pokemon. You're going to get your Pokemon. One thing I will say, You're going to be able to capture Pokemon yeah. and go and train them and everything like that. It's not all about Pokemon Go. So we haven't forgotten you, fans. We love you. Is there going to be any is is there going to be any synchronicity with the actual Pokemon Go app? Because I've seen a lot of speculation. Yeah, there is. There is. There is. There no, is. There is. Okay. Yeah, they demonstrated it in the in the oh, okay. um, All right, cool. in the trailer. Yeah, like they they were demonstrating that you could go. I think it was a Dratini or something like that, and like you could go capture it out. You know, walking around your neighborhood, and then you come back and you transfer it to your Switch, and then they join your Pokemon. I'm not sure in what capacity they join your Pokemon, but they join your Pokemon. Do you think that's also part of the reason why they cut out wild, uh, like the the on the wild uh, Pokemon battles? Yeah, yeah, like they like that's the. the, Right, right. It's kind of yeah. It's it's so Pokemon is always on your mind. It's not just when you're sitting on your couch with two hours to burn or because they're forcing you go out to capture Pokemon. But yeah, even when you're and not and not just grind for them like John wants to. Yeah. So, yeah, it'll going outside of your house to play Pokemon is the Dark Souls of Pokemon. Mm-hmm. Don't just at me. don't uh, just don't leave your your son on the patio while you go and do that. Yeah, oh my god, I following that new story. I, I can't oh, believe yeah. <laughs> that. Yeah, wow, holy shit. Um, hey, what's up, Doug? Uh, hey, just what? Quick shout out to Steve Blomkamp in the chat. Haven't seen you in a while. Haven't seen you in a while, man. It's a Steve. Yeah. A, a I haven't wild... seen Steve in the flesh for like a year. A wild Steve appears. What's up, my man? Um, okay. Zach, there was one more point I wanted to make about Pokemon, if you don't mind. Absolutely. Um, Absolutely. And we haven't talked about this. Apparently, and there was some there was some fudging on this, but apparently no online functionality. No. Uh, there, there is. There is. is. There? Because there it be. was. Yeah, because yeah, 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 like, the reporter who reported, they reported that that reporter reported it wrong. They, they mistranslated it. Yeah, first, they mistranslated it. Are you sure? Because I thought that, that was amended. I thought that was amended to say no. There's actually no online. I'm 100 sure. Okay. It, it, it came out as no online first, and then by the time they came out with yes, there actually is online, people were freaking out too much for it to like reach everybody. So, yeah. yeah. So okay. So I have a question for Matt, if you don't mind, Zach. Um, of course. Matt, in, in terms of unit sales, like like considering the switch is is. This is the first core, using that word, this is the first core Pokemon title on a flagship console for Nintendo. And and the Switch is their their flagship console. This is the first one ever. Um, Wow, I had not considered that. So it was, so that just, that kind of just hit me. I was like, oh shit, this is the first one that's not on a dedicated handheld. Um, Do you have a sales forecast for actual, for the actual game itself? Like as far as units, units that'll move? Um, uh, yeah, so, all right, so if you assume that by the end of, uh, 2018, they have a ballpark of 10 to 12 million Switch out there, maybe a little bit less, um, you assume, I don't know, what percent of that fa- of that base is going to pick up a Pokemon? 30%? Is it 35%? Right? 
So three million doesn't seem like it's completely out of the range of possibility. Um, somewhere between two and four, probably in the U.S. Um, seems right. like yeah. it's a reasonable target. It's a big number, um, <laughs> especially when you, you, you extrapolate that to worldwide with a plenty of room for upside um, if it catches some some fire. So, yeah, it's gonna do okay. I mean, you know, like you said earlier, I mean, it's a Pokemon game. I mean, it, it's gonna sell a billion. Uh, fuck yeah, it's it, it's gonna do just fine. Nintendo like, is printing money here, people. Let's mm-hmm. make no mistake. Mm-hmm. Yep. And well, and I tell you what, like it's it's pretty incredible to get what they call a core Pokemon title one year, and then you know next next year comes the real core Pokemon RPG, the mainline so one. Yeah, yeah, that's that's going to be, and by that point, the anticipation for that is going to be so high that it's yeah. And and as somebody who is just now getting into Pokemon, it's it's a really exciting time, you know, because I'm so happy for you. I'm I'm really enjoy it. I'm really having fun with it. Um, and it gives me something to talk about. And my son, he'll look over my shoulder on my 3ds and and he's like oh no 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 blah 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 and he's 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 talking and talking and talking about it and uh he'll constantly want to come over and say my sons too yeah did you catch another one what'd you catch now and i'm like i'm like dude chill i got it man like i, I don't want to do it i've been playing but dad games, you're you know. capturing them wrong yeah but it, 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 i've it, heard that it it, it it makes me cool dad though that he, that, that he talks about it at school so that's cool um Zach, yeah, sorry, i'm not trying to bogart you're not trying to bogart the mic man sorry yeah now you just need to buy a GameCube to play Pokemon Channel, which is the best Pokemon game. No, I'm sorry that that is a that is a spicy take, but I have a spicier one for you. Actually, I, I, I actually, actually, my honest opinion is that Pokemon Snap's the best one, but I have Palm Memories of Channel. There, right there. Was that your spicy take, Amanda? Snap. <laughs> Pokemon Snap was pretty cool. Yeah, Pokemon Snap, Snap so kicks good. ass. Just that's what I really want. Like what? Give yeah, me like, like it, AR it, version of Pokemon Snap. Yeah, I so will. There. Yeah, like I will. Like I will not buy that rumored Nintendo 64 classic unless it has Snap on it. Just please don't ask Jay for any more spicy takes. His, no his more spicy takes for his, Jay. His okay. takes are too spicy. Oh, no, they are take some time for your spicy, spicy takes. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so before we jump into Fallout 76, uh, Jay, do you want to do one more giveaway? minute oh, two. yeah yeah, yeah let me get let me do a giveaway um the next person to win is d-o-m-f oh hell yeah so congrats yeah i'm about to hit him up on the twitter cool so, word sounds great i yeah. uh I, I hope you guys enjoy Minute. It's great. Okay, so the next thing, uh, we're going to jump into Fallout 76. Before I open it up to the group, uh, I actually want to uh, give it to uh, Matt Gregory here, who's been a little bit quiet, but Fallout is his thing. So let's let's give it to Matt here. All right. So, yeah, this is, like, kind of a weird one at first. Um, but so there was, like, a 24-hour live stream that started Tuesday, I think, went into Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Um, and they were just streaming the, like, please stand by banner um and everybody knew it was fallout but there was like a bunch of rumors about oh it's a hero shooter it's this it's that um and so then they announced fallout 76 with this little teaser trailer that really doesn't tell us much about what it is um but then jason schreier came out on kotaku and he posted an article citing three sources from within bethesda um saying that it's a multiplayer game um kind of in the vein of Rust or like Daisy, uh, those survival type games. Um, and it's centered around Vault 76, which we could get from the trailer. Um, so yeah, that's been kind of interesting because it set the fandom off into a, it's not single player, it's multiplayer base. Um, so it's just been speculation since then. 
Nice, nice. And I, I know we're working on a, a medium piece uh, that, that you're uh, writing about uh, what we think might be in there. Uh, but uh, before we delve into that and spoil your article, uh, anybody have an initial takeaway? Yes, yes, tomorrow. yes. Maddie's article will be coming out tomorrow. But does anybody have a takeaway from that trailer or, or what they think they're, they're getting or what they want from this game? It sounds to me like Fallout 4 multiplayer or like a co-op for Fallout 4. I mean, I mean, the same scenario writer who wrote, who worked on Fallout 4 is working on this, right? He's, I think it was the, the one that worked on Far Harbor. Who was it Far Harbor? Was, I knew it had something separate. to do with Fallout 4. It's going to be like, what, more survival-based? Yeah. Yeah, um, honestly, it sounds cool. It makes me think that they're like trying to integrate because there was that survival mode, which was you have to sleep, eat, drink. Uh, your ammo has weight. You have to like you only save when you sleep. I don't think they'll carry that over. Um, but and like damage, it sounds like they're trying to integrate that more smoothly because it was like kind of a harsh transition switching to that in four. Uh, so it sounds like they're probably going to integrate that stuff more naturally into this. So we've actually got a question in the chat from Phoenix, you and I. So 76 is the one that opened 20 years after the nuke event, right? Yes, that's, yeah, yes. That, that sounds right. But this um, is set 25 years after, it looks like, based on the date on the Pip-Boy. Oh, mm -hmm. good call. Good call. Yeah. Um, so <clears throat> I guess my, you know, my thing is, is there's, there have been a lot of people who have, so like reception on this has been very divided, right? Very divided. And I think a lot of that is, I think a lot of people <clears throat> were, expecting fallout 5 which was completely ridiculous in my opinion see i, I don't think people were expecting fallout i think they were expecting a mainline elder scrolls or or starfield which has been rumored forever not with that which, no, i mean, I mean yes that's what i got from that teaser trailer but how would you how would you expect starfield or or elder scrolls from from a teaser trailer that's very or from like that image that was no very no no no. Yeah, no 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 I, I think as soon as people saw the teaser everyone Fallout, and again, okay. I think a lot of people also were thinking that it was going to be the Switch port that would have been rumored for Fallout 3. Um, I just think if you said a week ago, what do you think Bethesda is going to release this year, people would speculate uh, um, Starfield or a new Elder Scrolls. Well, I think we could probably give up on Starfield coming out this year, because I, I don't think... They're I think we're it. still years away from Elder Scrolls. Oh, yep. yeah. If you're, expecting, yeah. if you're expecting Elder Scrolls 6, like, they have That's said like multiple times... I'll be 45 by the time Elder Scrolls 6 comes out. Yeah, the new, the new Elder Scrolls, they're not focusing on that right now. They're focusing on ESO. Yep. Right. Yeah, it sounds like so, it's not even in development. So it isn't. Right. Not as far as I know. Right. So right. so here's my question about about Fallout seventy six. Um, and I'd asked this question in our our chat DMs. Uh, but when they, when they say online functionality, when they talk about co op, are we talking about something that you can play with one other person? Are we talking about an instanced world where you can see other people running around? Will there be PvP? Will there be because I feel like an online game without PvP these days, you know, kind of in the age of battle royale, which is what we touched on earlier. I, I feel like, I feel like people expect that. I don't think games need it, but I feel like people expect it. Um, so when we talk about online online functionality and playing with or against other players, what exactly do we think that means? I think it's going to be small. I think it will be uh, probably two to four players in one instance. Yeah. Um, I, I mean, it's it's hard to know, right? But assuming they're still using that creation engine, which I assume they are considering the turnaround between this and Fallout 4, um, they're going to have to do some serious retooling. Uh, um, so. I, Maddie has said this uh, uh, privately in our in our DMs. Um, Fallout is a game with a lot of a lot of stuff in its world, uh, and for that stuff to be consistent across four people's world on an engine as old as a creation engine will be a lot. I think people expecting um, a Rust or Daisy size multiplayer base. Um, 
will probably be disappointed if that's something that they're looking for. I think the panic is coming from the Rust comparison in that when people picture Rust, they picture a game where you go in, there's like 50 other people, you build a base, and then when you log off, that base is persistent, and that base can be taken down when you're offline. And like that's what I've been seeing people freaking out about, which yeah. that I, that would not it's work in this online. game. Mm. Yeah, that would not work in this game because from what Jason said, there's a story, there's quests, and like that progressing a narrative in that type of game would be like pushing a rock uphill and then like, oh, I'm logging off and then it just rolls back to the bottom. So Right. Yep. What I honestly part of what I'm then this again, we're speculating right here. And of mm -hmm. course my journalism hat is on right now. So <laughs> you know, don't hold me to any of this because I won't know until the Bethesda event. Um, but I'm thinking that this might be something very similar to what they're doing with State of Decay. Um, Interesting. That, honestly, that plus a, plus a bit more in terms of base building and customization would make for a really interesting Fallout experience for me personally, because honestly, I am a very, very old, don't let the face fool you, I'm a very, very old school Fallout player. I adored Fallout 1 and 2. I really did. I'd love to see and those those, those are the kinds of games that I'm missing, those traditional top-down, you know, classic RPGs. Like, I'm missing that. The Can you imagine those person... on Switch, Amanda? God, I can't stop imagining it, oh. John. Oh. I you can't humor John and his... You can't humor John's Switch port, Betty. <laughs> he, he I stop. can, because I fully support him. He's living his best <sighs> Finally. life. Finally. So, mm -hmm. John knows. He knows. I have a deep... Someone, unhealthy love for these kinds of games so that's kind of what i'm thinking that would make me want to play a fallout game again because i'm tired of the first person shooter you know open world i don't know where to go next and it's really overwhelming me and i want to love this game but i i just i can't get into it so this is that kind of a game though they give me something that I can really sink my teeth into, similar to State of Decay, I can get into that. Yeah, similarly, I, I put this in our, in our uh, uh, and I feel like a, a State of Decay defender because I really like the second game. Um, but I haven't played it yet. It's, I mean, Game Pass, it's, it's pretty low standard. Uh, it's a pretty low uh, risk thing. But um, I like State of Decay 2 a lot. Uh, and State of Decay 2 expands on some of that base building stuff that I think was lackluster in Fallout 4. Like, I, I never felt truly compelled to really build out my base. I know there are a lot of really, really um, smart, creative people that love building huge settlements in Fallout 4, but I never felt a gameplay drive to really do that. Um, and State of Decay was a game where a lot of your building um, was custom and it, it suited your play style. Um, and so I think that if, if we can kind of get some of that State of Decay uh, base stuff that's driven by how you want to play, whether you're an aggressive player or a defensive player, or you just want to hoard as many supplies as possible, I think that would be a compelling thing. I mean, obviously, we're we're just two weeks away from, from really knowing more. What yeah, I feel, like, I feel like this is going to be the culmination of... Less than two weeks. ...what they started in Hearthfire in Skyrim, which was... You know, you build a house, you got that, and then they kind of evolved that oh, with the settlement system. Okay. That and could be interesting. The settlement yeah. system was like, people didn't really touch that because they saw it as optional content. So I think making that the core, if this is the core of this game, which based on the narration in the trailer, they say 
Uh, when the fighting stop has stopped, when the fallout has settled, you must rebuild. Oh no, Matt has hot takes. I can see it in his eyes. He does. Uh oh. That just sounds like the most boring thing I could ever think about. <laughs> <laughs> I actually had a question for Matt. Um, I don't know Come how many like. It. I don't really know like what numbers you have on this kind of stuff, but like I know, Conan Exiles, Ark, Rust, Daisy have like all sold really well, and those are like those started in early access. Do you think a AAA game? releasing complete with this kind of stuff is going to do really well? Uh, so you've got great brand, great studio track record. You have a very dedicated fan base that I think will buy the game uh, no matter what. And it's a question of how good is it and how does it evolve over time? So I think the potential is absolutely there for it to do extremely well and maybe better than mainline Fallout games if they can get a big enough audience. Um, but the question is always going to be, how, how does the service element go? How do they evolve it over time? Um, and that'll be truly interesting. But it is like like a lot of things this year, the first time something like this is happening. So we're going to have to learn a lot. Yeah, I, I totally agree with that. And like one of one of the leaks that I think will, that could, and, and remember leaks, leaks don't have any confirmation, right? And, and like Amanda said, we are nine. 10 days away from the, the actual reveal, but one of the leaks around this game uh, that had a lot of other details correct um, mentioned that this game will not support mods, um, which I think is, is especially huge uh, on PC, less so on console. Um, and we've seen in the past when, when uh, two or three years ago when Bethesda and Steam were going to monetize uh, some, some mods early on before the curation system uh, from Bethesda, that could, if if that rumor ends up being true, um, I think that can hurt their base pretty significantly on PC. I mean, as as an online co-op game, so I mean, I don't think it's shocking. There's no mods. I agree. I agree. I just think that the PC community can be kind of knee-jerk about that kind of community. Um, um, anything. Yeah. Yes, yeah. anything that can be kind of knee-jerk. Um, so so we'll see, right? Like I I can see that. I mean, things on Steam tend to tend to uh, uh, spiral, um, as we've as we've seen a couple times. But we'll see, we'll see. Again, I, I shouldn't speculate on that because it's it's all up in the air, and we'll know more very soon. So I, I feel like there's something else about Fallout 76 that we haven't really touched on, and the fact that we are going to see a new type of Fallout, not just from a gameplay perspective, but from a setting perspective, because this is set yep. relatively soon after all the bombs dropped. So. This is a this is going to be a much more brutal, barbaric world, I think, than we're than we're used to in a Fallout game. Because by the time we played most of the Fallout games, Fallout Three, Fallout Four, I mean, what we're hundreds of years in the future now. Um, mm-hmm. You know, things have settled, civiliza- civilizations have started to rebuild in whatever manner they can. But in this, I mean, you're what twenty five something years after the bombs dropped, after the vaults reopened, so. Yeah. The land is still heavily ir- uh, irradiated. There are no settlements left, which, of course, you know that's kind of the crux of the whole gameplay it's time to rebuild everything so my question is is one if we're going to get if if we're going to get a story which i believe we are i believe it's still going to have a a mainline story to this game is it are the themes going to be darker is it going to be more doggy dog are are we going to see less of that that humor than we're used to from from a fall game and two are there going to be creatures like super mutants for example um have they had enough time to you know to, to cook in the radiation that long i mean i think these are all questions that that I mean, clearly we don't have answers to, but I, I think there are, there's a huge opportunity here for Bethesda to really give us a slice of that world that we're not used to seeing and to deliver a different kind of followed experience than we're used to. I, I, I hope they do. Um, 
I, I would I, love a more brutal Fallout setting. I think there will be things like Super Mutants, because if you look at the timeline, like the East Coast Super Mutants, they're, they're separate from the ones on the West Coast. And they came from DC, like Vault 87. I think it was like 10 years before this takes place. Uh, the FEV virus like mutated them and stuff, and then they got broke out. So like, I think they're going to be around. I feel like if you look at the timeline, there's going to be settlements because people were leaving vaults like 10, 15 years before this takes place. Were they? Okay. But they're going to be like, they're going to be very basic and small. So it's like that'll be fit wilder, the I think. Yeah. 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 Um, I think it'll be much more Mad Max uh, uh, than, uh, and not, not suggesting vehicles, but I just mean like how the people will interact with that. Then like, because if you think about Fallout 4, right, there's even even raiders, there's kind of a hierarchy and, and kind of what feels like a raider government in a lot of the factions that you interact with. I don't think you'll see that with this. Well, um, I think one other thing you'll see with the characters is that they'll remember the old world, unlike the characters in 3 and 4. Like, they have no conception of what happened before other than like, artifacts they've seen so these are going to be people who were like police officers and doctors and oh, stuff i hadn't even thought of that yeah, yeah that's that's awesome yeah i hadn't thought about that at all wow and and uh presumably this year but but we'll see again we're, we're just a short time away um short time away from that um but yeah d does anybody else have a take for fallout um i actually you know what i actually i just had a comment about fallout um okay. and, and it relates to kind of the the season itself um you know in september i mean i think we can all probably agree this is coming out late october i think that's the time frame that everybody's talking about so. um so yep. you know in september you've got smash uh in october you've got red dead redemption 2 and fallout 76 and call of duty at the end of the month right that that's an october game this year uh in november you've got pokemon um is there room, and, and I guess this is not just, this is a question mostly for Matt, but for, for everybody really, is there room for anything else? I mean, because I feel like, I feel like pitting anything else against this kind of a, this kind of a lineup is, is insanity. I just, it's a hell of a lineup. I mean, for damn sure. you know, I, 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 mean, I, I'm afraid of games falling into the trap that Rise of the Tomb Raider did when it launched around top of Fallout 4. Ooh, Shadow's lucky there in September. This mm -hmm. year. Yep. Oh, okay. So I thought that was a November or an, or an October game. No, I think it's no. September. It's September fourteenth. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And and don't don't get it twisted. Bethesda will still send some products out to die this fall. Um, I think that we will see Evil Within DLC. I think we will see Prey DLC. We'll definitely see more Prey. They've been teasing it pretty heavily. I yeah, um, they have. yeah. Yeah. I wonder. Yeah. So we will on... see some of that. Yeah, and and, and I, didn't they tease Evil Within DLC on their Twitter account as well? A little bit, um, a little yeah. bit less so, less so than than what we've seen with Prey. Um, so that could be next year, but I would be shocked if we don't get more Prey this year at the very least. Which I would love because I love Evil Within Two. It is a very underrated a horror game. game. Yeah, that's a, that's a it's a good game, Brent. Um, <laughs> Zach, I had a question. So we've got about thirty minutes left. Ooh, can um, I make a comment about Fallout really quick? Yes. Jay. Okay, cool. I don't really care about Fallout. Um. I like Elder Scrolls games. I don't like the aesthetic of Fallout games, so I'm just not a huge fan. But um, I have to give props to um, Bethesda for the rollout of the announcement of this. It got yeah. everyone talking. Like it was really yeah. good marketing. So shout out to Bethesda. Well, Matt had yeah. Matt had even mentioned in chat. He said he said two million people watching a, a stream of nothing for yeah. the whole day was a better reaction than they could have. And you know what it reminds you? So of? much trolling. Yeah, 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 yeah. And like the thing to me, it's like. You know, like people were people were expecting to be like Starfield or you know Elder Scrolls Six, which you know I don't think we're gonna see that game forever. 
but it just it goes to show that like that's not like their big news drop for E3. Like there's something bigger coming to E3, well, and I, that like, yeah, like. Go ahead, yeah. Jay, I didn't mean to cut you off, man. Sorry, you were you were cutting in and out. I thought you were talking. Oh no, you're fine. Um, sorry. Like I was probably moving in and out from my mic. But, I mean, just, like, the way they rolled out the Fallout, Fallout 76, like, announcement, it just goes to show that, like, you know, like, this, this is not their big game. Like, it's uh, a game that's coming out, but it's not, like, their big game. I think it might be, though. I, they, I think it might be, Fallout too. 4. They rolled out yeah. Fallout 4 at the exact same really? time. This, yeah. like, yeah. before E3. And okay, I didn't know that. Yeah, yeah. They, they did it. I think they did it, yeah, like, basically a week before they showed the, the trailer. Okay. Like, yeah. Exact same thing. Um, I, I now uh, we don't need to totally retread old news. I don't know if we would have seen them announce Rage Two if it hadn't been leaked uh, yeah. a couple weeks ago. They, they said they were pretty close to announcing it. It only threw hmm. up their plans. But by like I mean, a couple talking weeks, about t- talk about taking a crappy situation and just making the best out of it. Yeah, I mean, props. Or making it worse too. for all the publishers who weren't involved. Yeah, yeah, that, yeah, that too. Yeah. Um, but like you, you know what the Fallout. This is the last thing I'll say about Fallout. Um, you know the what the Fallout situation reminded me of. People watching that stream, Matt said it, and it made, who here seen the Truman Show? Anybody seen the Truman Show? It yes. reminded me of a part in the Truman Show where they they went offline. They they pulled the plug and they just had a, a graphic of Jim Carrey's face on there saying, "Technical difficulties. We'll be right back." And the producers like, you know, he's like, "We got to fix the situation." And the guy who runs the show is like, "Why? We're getting higher ratings with this graphic than we ever have with Truman himself." And, uh, and and just what Matt said in the chat really made me think of that. I mean, there were so many people watching for 24 hours, like with bated breath, like yeah. a fucking bobblehead laying down in front of a television screen. Even I, the, would, the I, anticipation I, is greater. Than I, I kept like refreshing it. I'm, I'm poking every hour. I'm like, anything happened? No, it's just that fucking bobblehead again. The um, funny thing is that people were watching it like two, three a.m. Like, man, they're wasting my time. And I was like, <laughs> they they did the same thing with Fallout Four. It was a twenty hours, twenty four hour stream. Just wait until eleven o'clock. But people were like watching it, like second to second. Yeah, so weird. So yeah, I, I had a question for Zach. Um, we've had a few people in the chat, uh, and also this is for Amanda as well. We've had a few people in the chat ask if we're going to address Battlefield Five. Um, oh, is that yeah, something? Bef- before we do that, we're going to do our last code giveaway uh, for minute. But yes, we will get to Battlefield 5 so, if everyone well, else has time. Well, also if Amanda's comfortable talking about it. Uh, we, can, we can talk about it. I don't have a ton of extra time, so we'll have to... I can, I can do probably another 10, 15 minutes. Okay. I'm not going to go super hard and heavy into the feminist portion, but I do want to talk about a lot to do with Battlefield 5. Okay, great. Cool. Um, our last winner of minute for Steam, the game that you know follows you playing segments for 60, 60 seconds, is failing um, up. yeah, failing up. Yeah. Um, is Julian, which is ha- I can't pronounce his handle. It's Kazaku. 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 Yeah. So congratulations. I will DM you the code and all that. Awesome. Awesome. And that's all the codes because one of the codes did not work. It was a du- duplicate code. So. I, I might have a code laying around, so next uh, next episode maybe we'll have something to give around. Cool. Um, but yeah, so so Battlefield Five. This is a little bit old news. It was last week, but we had to cancel because so many of us were a little bit busy. Um, so yeah, Battlefield Five had a reveal. Uh, it was a trailer that I think uh, got a mixed reaction for a lot of different reasons. Boy, oh boy. Um, one of which was there are women in it, and people don't like that. I guess there's, also, there's a woman on the cover. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. But anyway, yeah. Uh, and you have to pay extra. To I mean, get it's a dude. very, very stylized take on World War Two. Yeah, but yeah, 
Yeah, so I mean, like, it's it's hard to pick where to begin. I, like, it's as accurate as like fucking Crimson Skies was trying to be to World War One. Like it's Crimson Skies was so good. Yeah, that was pretty Crimson good. It's a damn good game, man. Yeah. So like, Fuck I, historical yeah. accuracy. Give me Crimson Skies. I tweeted, yeah. Yeah. you know, so, some idiot on Twitter was like, oh, women. And I, I tweeted out, I quoted his tweet, and I said, oh, but what about this Russian sniper who had 309 confirmed kills in World War II, and she's considered to be one of the deadliest snipers in military history, and eventually got, like, 16,000 likes and, like, 1,000 retweets, and I've still got people in my DMs saying, oh, you cuck. And I'm like, oh, okay. But, like, the, I, I, I don't get the... You know, at the end of the day, like, it, it's a fucking video game. I mean, like, it, it's like, don't come into this expecting an AP history class. That's not what it is. It's a video game. You know, like, entertainment. Who, gives, who gives a shit? Like, I mean, did you have a problem with Inglorious ba- or, or, like, Inglorious Bastards? I mean, did you have a problem? No, with, it was a fantastic I, movie. I mean, you know, I don't, like, even if, and here's what gets me, even if, even if you're not a fan of, of the stylized tech in World War II, fuck, that's your right fucking cares it's not don't don't buy the game like it's not your it's not it's not affecting your life at all it's not changing your life it's not it's not it doesn't have a a detrimental effect on your on how you run your day-to-day and if it does then you need to have a serious look in the mirror and 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 ask yourself have a very serious conversation with you know with yourself i i i just you know and the game looks fine it looks fine it's gonna sell fine it's gonna sell a a million millions it's not really it's not really a controversy because people yeah. are gonna buy. It. They've already decided what the game is gonna be, and people are still gonna buy it. And so, World, World War Two has been like presented in this kind of mythic way for decades. Like it's nothing new. I don't know why. Like, well, we know why people are acting like it's new, but yeah. I mean, and, and like one of the things that I find the most frustrating is that this community doesn't give a shit about about historical accuracy, and that's fine. It's fine, but it's a game where you can get shot in the face, revived, run around, kill a guy, and then get blown up with a grenade and be revived again. Like you don't care. You don't care about realism. It's fine. I don't either. It's fun. Why do we need to get into like? But there's a woman over there, and she also has a prosthetic arm. And like, the lack of realism is only as much of a problem as the game is trying to make it. Because like, if the game right. is trying to be really serious, then any you know inconsistencies stand out as massive flaws. But if it's if it's going for a very fantastical atmosphere, then it's only a flaw if they you know if if, if there's not like the yeah. coherence. Well, and like I think one of my favorite moments about that, I think it was Eric Pope who shared that GIF. Uh, he was he he was he was like I can't believe how. A, you know, unrealistic Battlefield One was, and it's got that like those three people like standing up so on a horse while it was galloping. It was Milbo, like, Dave well, Milner. Okay, oh, oh, it was Milner. Okay, yeah, yeah. On uh, his, uh, he's yeah, yeah, Bob Workman's guy. Um, he, uh, he, yeah, he podcasts. He podcasts with with Robert Workman, right? Uh, no, I thought he did. David Milner is the um, editor in chief of Game Informer Australia. Game Informer Australia. Okay, so right. Close, yeah, John. So close. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's okay. Milner. <laughs> Milner is my secret sweetheart, Ooh. but not really. But he has a baby, and it's it, this baby's so cute. His life is adorable. I just like to, you know, watch his tweets and I, watch I, him be adorable. I I, I just you know, I, and we're meeting for ramen at E three, so really that's all I care about. Oh, you got you got <laughs> all you people who are going to E three. I should have gone to E three. I'm sorry that you're yeah. not coming with us. Yeah, I should have gone. Um, but now now I'm full of regret for not going. Uh, FOMO. But I know right. But uh, I don't know. Like we don't have to get too deep uh, in the weeds on it. But it's it's it really it bothered me on a personal level because I've actually been to war. I've 
I've been to combat. I've, I've seen combat. I've been there. And this, this idea that you should be bothered by a woman in combat, I don't care what the historical setting is, just really, really bothers me. So let me, let me weigh in for a moment. Absolutely. So this is, this beckons a broader conversation right? This comes down to the deep divide between the gaming industry and the gaming community Mm. 20 years ago versus what it looks like now. When I was a teenager back in, you know, the early aughts, um, God, I was the only girl who played video games. The only one that I knew. The only one in my community, the only one in my neighborhood, the only one in my school either in elementary school or in high school. I was pretty much the only girl that played games. And I remember the boys growing up saying, God, I wish more girls played games. I wish that I could play as a girl more often in a game. Why is it only Lara? Why is it, you know, because we hadn't gotten to Beyond Good and Evil yet. And we hadn't gotten to this, you know, fantastic plethora of amazing female protagonists in games yet because we just hadn't gotten there as an industry we hadn't gotten there as a you know as a society really where it's not necessarily about identity politics it's about people like playing their own representations and avatars in games it creates better immersion for a lot of people i can play as a dude I'm playing an embargoed game right now where I'm playing as a dude. I adore him. I think he's wonderful. And I don't have any problems playing as a guy. But I grew up in a, in a gaming, you know, adverse sort of neighborhood where I just played with boys all the time. And there was never any problems. They didn't think I was less because I was a female gamer. They didn't think I was less because, you know, I valued different things in video games than they did. It was just about, you are literally the only girl we know who plays video games, and this is basically the coolest thing ever. Can you please be our best friend for life? And we look at that versus now, and how almost 20 years has completely eroded the landscape so that we've been here all along. We, We women gamers have been here all along. We grew up as gamers, in fact, those gamers, those women gamers that are in their late 30s, early 40s, we've been around for a long ass time. So seeing a female soldier in bat in a battlefield game, who is, a, I believe, only like in multiplayer. I don't even know if that like she's available to play in the campaign. I think she actually is in the campaign. The, so the, the campaign, they, they did say that, so they're going to have a story mode again. One of the people they're going to focus the on, yeah, the vignette will focus on a Swedish uh, resistance fighter who who happens to be a woman. Yeah, yeah, and I loved the vignettes in Battlefield One. By the they way, were good. I thought they were so yeah. so cool. That's I haven't finished playing all of them yet, but I really liked them. So the pushback on that is that these young men and they know that their views are unfashionable now. Mm-hmm. They know that they are either going to have to get with the times. Or they're going to have to, I don't know, just play old games yeah. to get what they need. To go play old God of War, mm-hmm. I guess, and go have sex with Aphrodite. <laughs> Zeus! You know? Mm-hmm. Shake your fist at Zeus. There's nothing wrong with that, by the way. I like those old games, but I also think that there's room for better storytelling, for deeper nuance, for more interesting characters, 
if we're going to do something that's stylized in the vein of World War II, why can't we do that? Why is that something that is outside the realm of possibility? If it is one thing, if they are selling it as historical realism, if they're selling it as a historical shooter, that's not the necessarily the same thing. That means right. that they are the setting is historical. That doesn't necessarily mean that everything about it has to be totally accurate. That's just hiding mm -hmm. behind that's hiding behind something that you already wouldn't believe in, even if it was historically accurate. What? And they can say that they're not for it because, you know, she's Swedish and she's not Russian. But there that's were Swedish resistance say. fighters, though, who were female. That's the thing, right? Like, and that's a, that's where you got to separate film from games. I am a, I am a history buff and I study I study war. I've studied war my entire career. And there were Polish resist female fighters who were who were who were female. There were Swedish uh, resistance fighters who were female. Um, mostly, I this. mostly Poles and Swedes. And you know, it, if had had uh, had you know women been storming the beaches at Normandy in Saving Private Ryan, I'd have been like, that's historically inaccurate. That doesn't make any sense. That sure. doesn't make any sense because there were no women there. This is a this this is something that's not only based on not only is it a fucking video game. Uh, but it's it's based on. Tell me again, John. It's a what fucking is this? video game, Amanda, and it's based <laughs> it, it's based it's based on historical. It, it's historically accurate to say that there were female European resistance fighters in World War Two. That's exactly what they were. Um, so I don't. I believe you. You know, and, and anybody arguing about this is is just simply, you know, I mean, you you made a good point about females in gaming, right? Like. 49% of gamers are female. That's a, that, that is a hard, that's a stat. That's a fact. 49 it's 47 of as is of last year. Okay, so 47%. Yeah, there, of... was a, there was a significant dip since 2014. I'm oh, not going to talk about the reason for that dip because I don't actually know, and it would be pure speculation, and I'm a responsible <laughs> game journalist. <laughs> However, I will show you the data, and you can draw your own fucking conclusions. <laughs> <laughs> Honestly, um, honestly, I'm going to buy the game because of the controversy, just to say, I, yeah. We, I mean, we we've seen this kind of. I mean, even this year, we've seen like this controversy from conservative, presumably white, uh, definitely men, uh, who who just don't like anything that doesn't cater to their exact beliefs, right? Like, yep. I mean, a, a game like BattleTech, which is a niche niche PC game, uh, got a lot of flack for doing uh, uh, they them pronouns, which is really? really ridiculous. Are you serious? Yeah. Oh yeah, it did. A uh, really huge black. Yeah. Oh yeah, huge black. And then like it, it is a tabletop classic niche game that for right now is a PC only game. Um, but yeah, Kickstarter funders were, were throwing a fit about it. Um, really quick before before we kind of continue this conversation and then wrap up, uh, Amanda did say she has to duck out. So Amanda, I thank do. you so much for being here tonight. We really thank appreciate you guys. It. I'm glad that you guys held on to the Battlefield Five for me i'm glad that i could add something to it that was useful well we wanted you to be able to speak on it a little bit here so of course all right my dears Bye, Bye, see you. have a good one yep it's nice to meet you matt yeah Bye. you too see you later um yes so really quick matt i i don't I, I don't know if you've got anything on this from from an npd perspective um, how do you feel about this game? It's launching in October, one week after Black Ops, uh, another week before Red Dead Redemption 2. Um, there's also the thing where they're charging 20 bucks more if you are um, a piece of shit who only wants the mail cover. Um, do you have a take? Ultimately, this whole thing won't make a significant difference to the sales number. Um, 
I think it's abhorrent what parts of the gaming community have done with this issue. Uh, it's awful and terrible that uh, the exclusionary nature of the comments and how people are approaching this, or some people are approaching this. I'm also very encouraged by what a whole bunch of folks are doing um, to support inclusion in the gaming community. Ultimately, if the game's great, it's going to sell. If the game's not great, it won't. Um, and that'll be that. And uh, hopefully we can move forward in a positive way because this is dumb. And this is a bad This is a bad way for our community to go so right dumb. now. It's so yeah. fucking dumb. Oh, my God. I'm really glad DICE like is doing stuff like this, though, because they, they faced very similar backlash with Battlefield 1 when there was an African-American soldier on the cover yeah. who was a Harlem health fighter. And it seems like that did not phase them at all. Which like, is so historically fucking accurate, by the way. I mean... Yep. like you know and wasn't there wasn't there a medal of honor game back in like back on the playstation with the fucking woman on the cover yeah yep. it was one of the spinoffs yeah medal of honor underground it was underground actually, yeah it was the mm -hmm. second one in the series like i, I don't remember it was before yeah. yeah yeah it was before the the internet and and um white men decided they were super oppressed apparently i remember the review for that in the official playstation magazine it was like the most obscure thing ever they're like yeah like this game sounds really good with like 5.1 surround sound system it's like dude you can't afford that in 2000 <laughs> <laughs> sorry i had to point that out no you're good man so so matt you still think uh as long as the game is is uh uh, uh well made we'll see it sell well obviously um games that that i mean i think the consensus is that titanfall 2 is a great game that just got nuked by its release schedule you don't think we're gonna have that same problem with something like battlefield that's kind of a staple now uh i mean you always have variability to how a game's gonna sell the game ranking score is not gonna tell you everything in fact the quality score only explains about you know a little less than 30 percent of the variability in sales um, so you have a whole bunch of other stuff that'll impact that. Um, so I don't know. Ultimately, uh, if they can capture an audience, they'll do great. And this controversy will hopefully become uh, something that uh, we look back in the past and, and move forward from. Uh, I don't know how to how to use what's going on now as a sales extrapolator. It's um, I don't really think it matters when it comes to that. Okay. Okay. It sounds I could good. Be totally wrong. Who knows? I don't know. You know, I okay. mean, and, and, and what I, Matt made a good point about variability, right? Like, you know, last year we didn't have, or when Titanfall two launched, or we didn't have a Red Dead Redemption two, or a, you know, like a, a Pokemon, or a Fallout game. You know, like so, like I, I think very, I think Matt makes a really good point with variability, right? Like if if those games weren't releasing, or if or fewer of them were releasing, I think Battlefront, I think Battlefield would have a better chance. I think it's going to. I don't think it's going to sell as well as some people think it does personally, um, but which is unfortunate. But that's that's just my opinion. It's just kind of a feeling I have in my gut. Yeah, it's always trailed Call of Duty. It's always been the like the second title. Um, so you have those titles. Plus, you have some other big gorillas in the room. Oh, like Odyssey, Odyssey. shit, Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Yeah, a little bit different genre. The, I don't know how much it. Uh, it's really tough to, to try to uh, quantify the impact of competitive release schedules. Um, generally, if a game is on the same day as you, it's a problem. But if a game is a week apart, it generally isn't. But sometimes it is, right? And so it's one of those things where we just kind of let things fall out. I, I, I still expect it to be a top 10 selling game in its launch month. They generally always are. Uh, but, you know, 
how big of a, how big of a part of the market is going to capture. Uh, we still haven't seen a holiday period where uh, Battle Royale is a major part of the shooter market. Will Fortnite, PUBG, and the 20 other Battle Royale games <laughs> coming in Q4 just kind of impact that military traditional shooter market in ways we don't, we're not thinking about. So, I mean, there's so many things, so many things that could, that could happen. Um, so, so one last thing before we wrap, Matt, uh, I know in the past you've said you think uh, battle Royale and you touched on it will be huge at E3. Are you sticking with that? Is that still going to be a Goliath this year? Yeah, I think it's going to be really gross and we're all going to get tired of it. Um, this industry does this, though, right? Whether it's plastic guitars or it's MMOs or it's MOBAs, like we just, or VR a couple years ago, you know? Um, this is a, an industry that chases trends more than most. So we're going to see a lot of that. Uh, and then, you know, as always is the case, two or three will break away and be huge successes and people will lose a lot of money on the rest of them. But, you know, we'll see how it goes. Do you think Fortnite and PUBG will continue to be like, uh, the new Minecraft, or do you think they will go the way eventually of the plastic guitars and the congos and the, all that other stuff? Well, that's the big question, right? So first, like, the, the first established players generally are the ones standing at the end. Sometimes that's not true, but for the most part, these big trends things, that tends to be the way it goes. And the big question everyone's asking right now, is Battle Royale a new genre, or is it a fad? Is it a, you know, three years up, two years down and gone, or is it two or three years up and then maintaining, right? Is it is it Guitar Hero or is it Minecraft? Which are two well, very different sales curves. Who knows? I was on Reddit Xbox One today because I was trying to kill time at work. And there was this article from PCGamesN.com that said that PUBG's player count has halved since January. January. Mm -hmm. that's, still, that's still high as fuck. Half. That's still, that, 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 that is still yeah, high yeah, as fuck. Drop, that drop is significant, obviously. Yes, it is. A, it's quite a big drop. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, we'll see. That, yeah, does that settle in as the number two game? Like, do the other Battle Royale games coming, do they even capture a foothold? Or is Fortnite so big that it captures the entire thing? Like, that's the that's the big question. Right, right. Well, we'll see. We're, we're just, uh, um, what, 10 days away from, from E3, 9 days away from E3 now. Um, and so, um, again, I, I guess we'll start heading towards uh, uh, the end of the show here. Um, Matt, I think that you'll be at E3, um, so maybe we'll catch you there. Uh, similarly, uh, myself, Jay, and Finn, who is not on tonight, will be there. Uh, we have a ton of coverage planned, uh, both in person, uh, on the floor. But, of course, the crew who won't be at E3 will be doing, um, I think, coverage of the shows live yeah, like we're we've gonna done be, in the past. We're going to be streaming the conferences with, uh, wow, our good buddy, Hashtagonist. Wonderful, wonderful. Yeah. Okay, and, uh, Zach. Before we wrap up, real quick, I also can I remind everybody that uh, the week after E3, Mike Huber from Easy Allies will be on to do kind of a post E3. Uh, great. Us, so, sounds great. Sounds like cool. a busy, busy week for everybody, but it'll be a a great time. Okay. Well, again, uh, everybody, uh, thanks oh, Zach, for being Zach, here. Zach, one more thing. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm yes. Sorry. One more thing. No, no. Our secret Sony guest was not able to come on tonight, obviously. But he should be dropping into the podcast next week. I'm not going to tell you who it is, but it, cool. he is a developer for Sony. That's all I'm going to tell you. That's cool. all I'm going to say. Cool. And um, cool. just be on the lookout for Maddie's article on Medium tomorrow. I will yep. be posting it on the podcast Twitter. So. Now yeah. we can let now we can let Zach wrap up. Okay. Well, again, one last <laughs> thank you to uh, Matt from M uh, MPD Group for coming out and hanging out with us again. Always, always a great for your uh, 
always grateful for your insight. We really appreciate it, man. Cool. Thanks for having me again. Of course. Of course. All right, guys. Uh, it's not always poetry, and we don't always agree, but we all keep it real. Take it hey, easy, guys. Hey, you got it. You got it. I got it. You got it.